Hello, and thanks for visiting this little discussion on Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent. In a few minutes, I'll look at the readings for Ash Wednesday, but first, how about a little background on the Lenten season itself? It's a challenging time, but that's what it's meant to be. It is also often misunderstood and underappreciated. Our liturgical year has six seasons. Lent is the fourth in order of appearance. We begin with Advent, preparing for the birth of Jesus. Then we go into the Christmas season, after which we enter the first few weeks of the season of ordinary time. After that first taste of ordinary time, we enter into the season of Lent. It begins on Ash Wednesday and ends on the evening of Holy Thursday, before the Mass of the Lord's Supper. With the beginning of that Mass, we enter into the shortest of the liturgical seasons, the Solemn Triduum. It begins Thursday night and ends with the Easter Vigil celebrated on Saturday evening. There are six Sundays during Lent, but they are not included in Lenten fasting disciplines. From its very early history, Lent was associated with preparation for baptism. In the early Christian communities, the Easter Vigil was the time for the baptism of new members of the Church. Those men and women called catechumens during their preparation time were the ones who would observe the Lenten disciplines to make themselves ready for and receptive to the grace of the Church's sacraments of initiation. Eventually, the whole community entered into the Lenten practices and disciplines as well. By the end of the 4th century, Lent was essentially in the same form as we observe it today. And today, Lent is an opportunity for all of us to prepare ourselves for the solemn observance of the Triduum and the joyful celebrations of the resurrection of Jesus at the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday night and on Easter Sunday. Catholic tradition is to prepare for the joy of the Easter feast through four practices, prayer, penance, almsgiving, and self-denial. Prayer is the conscious effort to develop a close personal relationship with our God. It means opening ourselves at the deepest level, learning to listen in prayer. Penance, or repentance of sin, is not simply saying, Oh gosh, I'm sorry. Nor does it mean that one must condemn oneself completely, dig a hole, and jump in. The root of the word repent means change your attitude, change your mind, look somewhere else for your joy. To be able to do this properly, we trust God's mercy more than we fear God's wrath. Almsgiving consists of charitable acts of mercy, sharing from our abundance of possessions, even from our necessary possessions, and giving to those in greater need. And self-denial can take many forms, from fasting and abstinence from meat, to setting aside favorite practices and attitudes that get in the way of our relationship with God. Lent is not uniquely a Catholic thing. 
Churches of the Anglican Union, which includes the Episcopal Church in the United States, Eastern Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, Lutheran, and Methodist churches are among the faith communities that also observe this season. The liturgical color of Lent is purple. Purple has always been associated with royalty, but it is also a color indicating sorrowfulness and penance. During Lent, priests and deacons wear purple vestments, and the church is modestly decorated with purple as a visual reminder that this is a penitential season. The church removes flowers and other ornamentation during this time, and some churches, during non-pandemic times when it's always necessary, some churches during Lent remove or empty holy water fonts. The Mass itself is subtly changed during Lent. We do not sing or pray the Gloria at the beginning of Mass. We do not sing or say the great Alleluia that precedes the reading of the Gospel. We remove these exultations to help put ourselves in a more solemn penitential mindset. During Sundays of Lent, all three readings and the psalm response carry a single particular theme that is emphasized throughout the Mass. On the fourth Sunday of Lent, known as Letare Sunday, in some parishes the purple vestments may be, at the discretion of the pastor, switched to rose-colored ones. Letare is Latin for rejoice. This Sunday is a short respite from our penance, a small preview of the joyfulness of the great Easter feast. The length of Lent has significance on a number of levels and on the level of a number. Whenever you read 40 in the Bible, it signals a period of trial, of testing and purification that precedes a new, stronger period of life that follows. There are lots of examples. God tested Noah and purified the earth with 40 days and nights of flooding. After being freed from slavery in Egypt, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Elijah traveled 40 days to his Mount Horeb encounter with the Lord. And Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness praying, fasting, and being tempted to betray his mission. Saint Irenaeus was a French bishop in the late 2nd century. He wrote of an early church period of preparation that lasted just 40 hours. But as I said before, by the end of the 4th century, our 40-day season was well established. Part of our Lenten practices are prescribed to be practiced by the whole community. Part are matters of personal decision. Fasting and abstinence are prescribed. Lenten abstinence refers to abstaining from eating meat. Lenten fasting means limiting all food on particular days. During Lent, the Church asks us to participate in these disciplines and also offers extra opportunities for us to approach the grace of the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. All this is to help us go deeper into a life of increasing faith and strengthened devotional practices. But we're busy. Many of us feel the pressures of 
caring for and providing for our families, the demands of work, the instability of our current social situation that is exacerbated by the current pandemic, it's easy to get distracted from what is truly important and necessary, that is, making Christ the focus of our lives, making Jesus the model for our behavior. Lent is our opportunity to slow down. Our Lenten practices help us reflect on this journey toward the center of a truly joyful life. What do we need to fix in ourselves, in our relationships? How do we deepen our trust in God's goodness and become better messengers carrying God's love to others in the world? That's what we're called to do. The fruit of a well-lived Lenten season is to leave the season as a stronger, more vital person of faith than we were when we entered. And it all starts on Ash Wednesday. The Ash Wednesday service is one of the most popular for Catholics. Behind Christmas and Easter, it's one of the most well-attended services of the year. Yet, interestingly, the Church has not made it a holy day of obligation. Yet this day of penitential prayer and fasting brings more Catholics and others into our churches than most other days of the year. Clearly, there is a deep-seated understanding within each of us that we need healing and strengthening to truly live life to the fullest. At Ash Wednesday services, ashes are applied to our foreheads in the shape of a cross, and the following words are spoken. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Or turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel. Or other similar words. This custom will be altered slightly on Ash Wednesday 2021 to minimize health risks. The act of applying the ashes and the words symbolize our mortality and our need for ongoing repentance, ongoing change of mind, reorientation toward the divine. There is no mention of Ash Wednesday or Lent in the books of the Bible. Our tradition of distributing ashes is ancient. It's been documented as far back as 325, so it was probably going on before then. However, the tradition of fasting at ashes as a reminder of mortality and the need for God's mercy is much older and has many Old Testament roots. In the book of Genesis, after they have disobeyed, God reminds Adam and Eve in the words that are often heard at the distribution of ashes, You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Job, in the midst of his trials, says, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And the prophet Daniel writes, I turned to the Lord God to seek help in prayer and petition with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. People often ask if the ashes used by the church are from somewhere special. The answer is yes, they are. They come from burning the now-dried palm branches from Palm Sunday Masses in previous years. These ashes are then blessed on Ash Wednesday before they are distributed to the community.
Another common question is, how long before I can wash the ashes off? There's no rule about this. You can, in fact, wash them off immediately after the service if you want. Many choose to wear them all day, both as a reminder to themselves of their mortality and as a witness to others that they are a follower of Christ and are entering into a season of self-examination, special discipline, and prayer. Okay, now let's get to a look at the Ash Wednesday Gospel. I encourage you to read the other two readings as well. Uh, the first one is from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. The second reading is from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, from chapter 5, verse 20, to chapter 6, verse 2. The Gospel is from Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and 16 through 18. Each year, Regardless of the liturgical cycle, the Church uses these same three readings for this day, every year. I said before, there's a common theme in all of the readings. And not surprisingly, the theme Ash Wednesday is about our Lenten practices, prayer, penance, almsgiving, self-denial. This then is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you may not appear to be fasting, except to your Father who is hidden. And your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. By the time we get to this, the sixth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has been baptized, begun his public ministry, and assembled his twelve disciples. Immediately preceding this reading in chapter 5, he began to instruct them and us in what were certainly radical teachings for his time. The Beatitudes. Love your enemies. Forgive those who persecute you. The meek will inherit the earth. These principles, although they are often spoken of, admired, and occasionally claimed in our contemporary culture, 
in practice, they remain countercultural in most ways for most people today. In the portion of chapter 6 we hear this day, Jesus continues teaching his disciples and us about almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Notice the tense of the verb that Jesus uses for each instruction that we just heard. When you give alms, not if, but when. Almsgiving, the giving of money or possessions of real value to the poor or in support of gospel-centered work, Jesus expects his followers to be habitual almsgivers. When he speaks of prayer, again, when you pray, not if, Jesus expects his followers to be people of habitual prayer, praying always in all things. And fasting, yet again, when you fast, not if, Jesus expects his followers to fast. Fasting is a biblical practice throughout the Old and New Testament. Many of us think that Lent is mostly about giving up something. Self-denial is part of Lent, but only one part among others. Lent is about doing more, increasing or renewing our prayer life, intensifying our self-denial to increase our understanding of the struggles of others, and about giving more to others. Perhaps you'll hear the term sacrificial giving, which refers to giving out of one's sustenance, not merely sharing some of one's excess. We submit to challenges during Lent because Jesus showed us how. He did so not only during his 40 days in the desert, but always. He taught his disciples to do the same in chapter 6, and he not only asks the same from us, he provides the grace to make it possible. Happy Lent.